I was spending my time with people who were living life in a way that I wanted to live my life and were creating for themselves the results and fruit that ultimately I wanted. I'd seen and experienced examples of human beings living lives of purpose and meaning and impact and fulfillment that I knew it was possible and I knew that it was up to me how I thought about things that was going to determine what my experience was. That's kind of how my work has evolved from just the physical fitness side of things and helping people create an optimal physical body to creating an optimal physical internal experience of all of life. I'm a proponent of setting life up to be easy and fun and enjoyable while we're being the most effective in creating the results that we want physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, and also financially and in our business. I think habits are important and powerful, and I like to make them fun and easy to create. A new year is a time to consider which habits in our life are leading us to where we want to be and which we need to improve. Alex Hayden is an expert at helping others transform both their physical bodies and their internal mindset. Through his Freedom and Fulfillment Academy, Alex shares some foundational keys to living the kind of life that anyone would want with both abundant physical health combined with mental and spiritual well-being. He has helped me out in my life, and I know he can help you in yours. Get ready for a tremendous amount of valuable insights and actionable ideas. This is my friend, Alex Hayden. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. My guest today is Alex Hayden, a man who has had uh, some powerful impact on me in my life, and I'm really grateful to have Alex as a guest today. Alex started out selling Cutco back in the year 2000 in Washington State. He ended up working in the NorCal division for a number of years with former Cutco Vector legend Jesse Levine. Alex helped Jesse in his sales office for several years. He was an assistant manager. He sold over $100,000 of Cutco himself during that time as well. He has a very eventful life journey, some of which we'll get into today. His business now is called the Freedom and Fulfillment Academy. And in his business, Alex works with entrepreneurs and business people who have already experienced a good level of success in their life. And his goal is to help them experience a life of holistic fulfillment in all areas. I'm really grateful to have Alex as a guest today. Alex Hayden, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dan. Grateful to be here, man. Excited. Yep. I'm looking forward to this conversation. This has been uh, been in the works for a while. I'm glad to have you here. As I mentioned, uh, I know you've had some some great impact on me in my life, and so this is going to be fun. Uh, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dan. So uh, I got started in Cutco pretty much right out of high school when I was 18. And it was interesting because when I found the job, my dad was completely opposed to me getting a job in sales. He's an engineer and he wanted me to get a traditional job and you know follow the traditional uh, path. But just the idea that there was the potential that I could earn more than a minimum wage was, was too appealing to me to allow his, his disinterest in my moving forward. And I think that's kind of been a 
kind of key thing with our relationship over the years. If he's not interested, it's probably something I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I got started selling and, and I, I just loved it, man. From like the moment they cut the rope and the penny, I was like, I was in. I was like, this is the greatest product I've ever seen. Like, I want this product. I want to represent this product. I want to share this product with everyone. And it was just, it was like the most easy, fun job that I could have was just like taking the best quality of kitchen cutlery around to people and just sharing with it, sharing them with it. And I remember like, all I had to do was read the script, but then like, and just be me. Like that was it. Like, and, uh, people were like, yeah, I'll buy that stuff. And I was like, cool. Like you totally should. Cause like, if I was you, if I was an adult, I would buy this stuff. You know, I'm going to have this in my house. This was in South King County, Washington, right? Yeah. South King County with Tony Tardif. And she was so sweet. I remember just meeting her and she was like young, but professional. And she had a suit on like this. And I was like, Oh man, like I could be a professional business person. I could wear business clothes to these conferences. And like, I had to get some slacks and some button up shirts and, and, uh, yeah, started to feel like really grown up. Yeah. Professional. It, did you grow up there in, uh, that area of Washington? Yeah, for the most part, I was originally from Eastern Washington, but grew up in in Western Washington in King County. Oh man, I remember South King County selling like whoa. You remember that song like like that? Uh, it's like like whoa, like whoa, like that was like our our team chant. And so like we were selling <laughs> knives like whoa. We would say into the microphone as we reported our our numbers at the conferences. But but yeah, so mostly grew up in in Western Washington, King County area. Got it. Awesome. What are some of uh, the stories and lessons that stand out from your Cutco Vector experience? Well, man, I think like just early success, like with like just learning that enthusiasm is contagious, right? And I, I, I kind of learned about my own enthusiasm about something and, and that I, I, I got a definition for sales that I, I just love. It's evolved, but that like true sales is just a transfer of enthusiasm authentic enthusiasm. So like if you're really passionate about something, then you will share that what you're passionate about, whether it's a book or a movie or or, or some knives. And so just the the contagiousness of authentic enthusiasm was probably the first thing that stood out. Let's see, uh, I had a great manager, Charlie Gillespie, uh, who was also just like super fun and motivating and and learning that like caring about other people and what they want and what they need is the the best way to develop relationships that that also is the best way like i learned how to manage from him and from tony they just they cared so much that was really impactful to me and and something that kind of i kept learning over the years from other mentors but that's where i started learning that and it also transferred to the sales environment like if you cared enough about the person that you're with and and what their needs were as far as cooking and how they might want to use knives to the point where you could show them how this would actually improve their lives, make their cooking journey uh, more enjoyable, more fun. So yeah. And then uh, it was a, a couple of years in uh, to my, my Cutco that I, or maybe only a year in, I'm trying to remember what year it was, but I, I met Jesse Levine uh, at the conference and we just connected and he just, his energy and enthusiasm and passion and vision was just at a whole nother level. And I was like, man, dude, like just, and we just connected and he invited me to, to move down and be a part of his office and, and be an assistant manager in the NorCal division. And I literally was like, yes, like I'm dropping out of college. I'm pursuing my career in knives. This is what I'm doing. Like I was, <laughs> I was completely caught up in the culture. And I, I, that, that's, I think, one of the things about Cutco that makes it such a legendary company is the culture uh, that it creates with it, with its conferences and with its the training and the education. So, but yeah, moving down and being a part of Jesse was uh, in Cutco. I know the first office to ever do a million dollars. And I got to be part of him being also the first office to ever do $2 million. And that was such a cool experience being with so many just high caliber, not only high caliber, but really heart centered representatives, right? They, they weren't just high producers, but like Jesse created a culture of people that like we're all for each other and like we're all celebrating each other's success and we're, you know, we're doing it from a place of, of fun and, and passion and love. 
So, and just getting to be around Jesse, I actually get to live with him. He's like, Hey, come like, stay with me, live with me, work with me. Like, yeah, dude, you're the mentor that I've been looking for. And that's where I met Hal and quite a few other people and made just some really great friendships that I still have to this day. And this was 20 years ago. Yeah. So working with Jesse must've been a lot of fun. Uh, were there, were there some experiences or memories that you, you recall that stand out from those, that those times? Yeah, actually something that's coming to mind was funny is just the, although there was so much fun and it was so high energy, he also helped me understand standards. And there was a time I remember I disappointed him. Like I, I slept in and it was at his house and he like came into my room and he was like, Hey man, like, aren't you supposed to be at the office? And I was like, Oh yeah, man, I, I slept in. And he was like, man, it's that point, that point where like your dad says to you, like, I'm not mad, but I'm disappointed. Like he was a little bit of both. And I just was like, Oh my gosh. Like I realized letting someone down and just the standards of operating at that level was like, I'm never going to like let anyone down like that. And just, it, it really being around it helped me raise my own standards for myself of uh, what I was willing to accept and how I operated. And yeah. Yeah. Was this the octagon shaped house at the top of the hill there? Yeah, in Clovis with the yeah. the windy road and the gate and like that was such a cool house. There was that was such a cool house. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, cool <laughs> table, basketball court, or little mini pop a shot game in there. There was like right. a trapeze that you could swing from inside the house. The ceilings were like fifty feet high. Was- I know for anybody who's listening, if you could picture like a stop sign or a octagon shape. And in the center was the kitchen, and it was sort of uh, dropped down a couple steps from the rest of the house. And then all around the kitchen were all these rooms, and there would be like a living room and a game room and then other different rooms. And then the bedrooms were on one side, but uh, it was like this cool design, a cool shape, and just you know the high ceilings Alex described. And you know Jesse worked really hard for a lot of years to be able to buy one of the nicest houses there in the area, and it was cool to. Have been there and visited. You got to live there. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty awesome, man. And then we moved the division to uh, from Fresno to Sacramento, and we got to uh, another non Cutco alumni, but still feels like a Cutco alumni. Matt Recor got to live with him and Hal. And I'd say the biggest thing with all of my relationships with Cutco was just the proximity to positive people who had a vision for their lives of what they were creating. And, and standards for themselves and, and how that they were pursuing that, that just was uh, so inspiring to me. And so like aspirational for me, like that, it's like these, I'm being, I was spending my time with people who were living life in a way that I wanted to live my life and were creating for themselves the results and the fruit that ultimately I wanted. Yeah. That's really cool to hear. And, and I know that this, the influence of the people that you were around and some of the mental traits that you established during those times. Uh, I know that came into play pretty big time in your years after Cutco, right? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, like I feel like the biggest thing that I learned from just being in that environment and connecting with people like Jesse and Hal and Tony and some of these other people, Charlie Gillespie, was that like I could really choose how I saw and thought about my circumstances, myself, my life, and that that choice would determine my trajectory, whether I was going to continue to grow and prosper and create results or whether, you know, I was going to, you know, experience struggle or setbacks or suffering. And uh, after Cutco, I had a, a love relationship that went, you know, didn't work out, that, which kind of began some really hard times for me that uh, kind of spiraled down to a, a couple rock bottoms. And it was in those, some of my, my darkest times that some of that training kicked in it's like there there's that old adage like we we fall to the level of our training and i think that like the five years that i had spent with cutco had ingrained some principles and i'd seen and experienced and examples of human beings living lives of, of purpose and meaning and impact and fulfillment that i knew it was possible and i knew that it was up to me how i thought about things that was going to determine what my experience was. And so that lesson alone, I think is what really saved my, my life ultimately in in some of those really low and dark times. Yeah. That concept that we fall to the level of our training. 
uh, is really insightful. And, and it ties into the idea of the, the influence of the people that you were around the most during your years at Cutco. Right, you had a chance to be exposed to people who thought in a certain way, and you know had certain habits and actions and different things that you were observing and sort of internalizing as a part of who you were. And then, in this moment of you know great challenge and, and difficulty in your life, uh, you know those things come out, and it, it helps us, I think, to overcome all the difficult times. Everybody who's listening to this podcast is going to have hard times. In some cases, it might be hard times financially. In other cases, it might be hard times with a relationship. In other cases, it might be some other thing, some other difficulty, but we'll all have hard times. And that foundation that is created of um, mental fortitude, of positive uh, you know, uh, outlook, all the different things that we get during our years being exposed to Cutco and Vector people, uh, it comes out during those times and it really helps people to overcome the difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one, one time at, at really kind of one of my lowest points, I reached out to Hal, and the fact that I had that relationship and that phone phone number in my phone to, to actually reach out to, because I knew that was possible. I knew he was a positive person who was doing something positive and I was just, I was just down and I was, you know, didn't really have any hope or couldn't really see any value or purpose for my life. And he was so, uh, so positive. And he, I remember that was a time around the movie, the secret was newly out. He's like, have you seen this movie? You got to check out the movie, the secret. And he just, he spoke life into me. He, he loved me in that moment. And, uh, he shared that, you know, he cared about me and he believed in me and he knew I, you know, I was going to get out of this. And, and that was really impactful to like have that connection and have someone speak life and love and hope. And then about five minutes later, Jesse Levine called me. And that was even more impactful because that showed me that he had cared enough to call another one of our friends that would, and someone who I had so much admiration and respect for to say like, Hey, Alex would probably really use hearing from you right now. And when Jesse called, it was, you know, like that whole thing, it was like, that was a turning point for me. That was like a little ray of of hope in in, in a very dark time for me that had me see that like, Hey, like people care, like my, my life, who I am is, is of worth and value enough that someone would care enough to reach out. So yeah, eternally grateful for, for the relationships and the friendships and the connections that I've created there. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. How did all this lead you to what you're doing now? Yeah. So in all those dark times, I got to a point where I was really out of shape. And like disconnected from who I was and, and dream and vision. And when I, when I had that turning point, I, I realized one of the first things that I wanted to change was inspired to change was my physical health. Yeah. And so I got on the trajectory of, of improving my physical well being, like getting back to my training of, of my mental health and, and spiritual health and ended up losing like 70 pounds over the course of six or eight months. And along that time, very early on, kind of connecting to an idea or feeling this inspiration for a purpose to help other people optimize their physical health so that they could optimize their experience of life. Because this physical body is the tool that we have to experience life with and through. So I got into that and, and became a, a personal trainer and then eventually started doing that online and really just got heavily into the fitness side of things. And from there, I know we're going to talk about some health habits I'm excited to share, but from there, I really just got so curious and interested into the psychological underpinnings of lasting change and ultimately fulfillment, right? Because there, mm-hmm. we all know people, we've experienced this ourselves, I've experienced this myself personally, of getting results in a given area, say our physical health, and then having those results kind of fall back and, and kind of doing that again. And then we also know the person who's created tremendous results in their physical health, but it's like, those results define them and that's what they get their their fulfillment or identity in versus the someone who, who has has the physical health but also is holistically happy and fulfilled in every realm of their life. And so that's kind of how my work has evolved from just the physical fitness side of things and helping people create an optimal physical body to creating an optimal physical internal experience of all of life. Yeah. That sounds really cool to talk about. Um, I like how, you know, for you, that the physical side kind of came first, right? You, you know, had had these uh, dark times, 
in your life. And, you know, one of the things that you realized was that your physical body was not what you wanted it to be. And that was a good place for you to start to say, Hey, let me go ahead and, and, and improve uh, this aspect of my life. And then to understand that for a lot of people, they do this, but then they fall back to the same ways of being and they end up, you know, the 70 pounds comes back for a lot of people, but you understood that there's a mental side or psychological side to lasting change. And you began studying and digging into that, uh, you know, to develop this really holistic approach to habits and success that you're sharing with people now. It's awesome transformation and it's cool. Uh, it's cool to, uh, you know, be a witness to some of the things that you're doing now with, uh, with what you've learned. So let's let's dig into this a little bit. We're entering a new year here as this episode is going to come out. And I think that at the start of a new year, a lot of people take some time to reconsider their life and reconsider their habits. It's a perfect time to do that. Any time is a good time to do that. But the start of a new year, I think, is always a great time for people to set new goals and think about some of their habits. And as it occurred for you, with uh, the physical well-being first, let's talk about that first. What do you feel like are some key habits to establish for physical well-being? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So it's interesting too. In my process of transformation, initially, I feel like I went about it not the most uh, effective way, and I learned a lot. Over. So what I'm going to share with you is kind of in pri- order of priority uh, what I feel is most important. So but maybe not exactly how I created my transformation, but how someone could and would a lot more enjoyably, easily, and effectively. Uh, so number one, and it might sound crazy, but is is sleep. Is like really optimizing your sleep and prioritizing your sleep and committing to uh, getting adequate sleep and rest for yourself. And I think for, for myself personally, this is still a challenge because I have kids, young kids. If you don't have the challenge of kids, there's a lot of things that could get in the way of, of sleep social media, being on your phone late at night, uh, being up thinking about things. And so a couple of things that I would do is like have a note to like, like a place to deposit, get things out of my head. There's a a practice I would do of writing down three things that I appreciate that happened throughout the day. One thing that I learned and then how I would like, this is a, a sleep hack from a mentor of mine, Jesse Elder, but like setting the intention of how I would like to feel when I wake up the next day. And I think that that is really huge is, is like deciding tomorrow I'm going to wake up, I'm going to feel peaceful, I'm going to feel joyful, and I'm going to feel motivated. Like those are my three emotional intentions that I'm setting for the next morning. And I so love like that. The, but like putting pen to paper literally at night and focusing on what you appreciate as one of the last things that you do and capturing a lesson and then deciding that that's been huge for me. Nice. Nice, Alex. That uh, That is a great first step, committing to adequate amount of sleep. What's next? So next, and again, these are the simple basics, but it's hydration. And I put hydration plus lemon. But hi- getting adequate hydration and one of my habits, my health habits that I've just been really consistent at, especially this year, is that first hydration has lemon juice, like a half of a squeezed lemon or we get you know lemon juice frozen in concentrate. It's like no additives, but I'll do like basically half a lemon's worth of water, drink that, and then water after that before coffee, before anything like that. And that does so much for inflammation in the body, uh, to alkalize the body, it, but just hydration. Like our, our cells are made of water. Like our body doesn't work properly. Our, we don't cognitively function well enough. And if we just start our day with coffee or we don't have adequate water, so I recommend a minimum of like 16 to 20 ounces of water before you do anything else in the morning before coffee and then overall roughly half your body weight in ounces over the day so like for me at 185 pounds i I probably do 100 ounces a day Um, and when some people say a gallon i think that could be excessive for some people but just prioritizing hydration prioritizing it early in the day and making that an unconscious competent habit is really one of the most valuable things you can do also as you get older you lose your sense of thirst so like if you're over 40, 50, 60, your, your th- sense of thirst actually diminishes over time. So you're not even aware. So that's why it's so important to build this, build this habit when you're in your 20s and 30s or, or to be prioritizing and later in life, 
because uh, you won't be actually thirsty. So you won't, your body won't trigger you to know that, but it will. And that's actually one of the number one causes of death in like nursing homes is dehydration. Like the body doesn't have enough hydration, so it's more open prone to disease and such. Mm. Got it. So hydration is second. Starting the day uh, with a big glass of water and trying to drink half your body weight in terms of ounces throughout the day and and all of what that does to refresh the body and replenish the body. Good one. Yep. Yep. I call that prehydration, like the first early day. Um, Next one is learn to love and get good at resistance training. Because I think there's very few things that we can do for our body that have such a, a tremendous ROI. But if we learn to, because I, I hear people all the time tell me, oh, I hate going to the gym. And I'm, I'm like, is that statement of about who you are? Like, I hate going to the gym. Like, they don't realize that's an identity statement. That's like me saying, I hate this thing. I have resistance to it. It's always going to be hard. And you will never build the habit of around something that you hate to do. So learn to love it. Just choose that. Like, you can choose that. Learn to love it. And then decide to get good at it, right? Like you can get good at anything you decide to do. Just learn the the proficiencies, learn the distinctions and nuances around your body, get a good personal trainer, get a good coach and like learn to love and, and get good at resistance training. It's literally what, what what's required for maintenance of the human form and musculature is like 20 minutes, three times a week. I went to the gym today. Uh, I did 20, 25 minutes maybe. And I feel so much better and connected. But the the beautiful part is like, this is what maintains longevity of ligaments, bones, metabolism that actually keeps your body at the ideal body fat percentage. There's, there's such a greater ROI on resistance training than there is on cardio. I still do cardio. I love running. But resistance training, if you had to choose, if it was a week that I was only going to get, you know, two or three workouts, resistance training, number one. And it can be fun. Make it fun. Learn to love it and and get good at the distinctions and nuances for you. Yeah. I think about the idea that, you know, we only grow through resistance. Like that's true for muscles and it's true in life as well. And I I think it makes sense for people to learn to reframe what resistance training is, that it's it's growth, right? It's it's giving us that opportunity for for growth in our life and that there's a positive part to it. What what is a way that you recommend people can do resistance training at home, you know, without yeah, going to the gym. Totally. And especially right now in the current global situation, a lot of gyms are closed. It's real simple. There's a lot of body weight stuff you can do. And then with like literally two bands, there's two bands that I love uh, on Amazon, like the half inch and like a three quarter inch full loop band that you could do almost everything you need to do for pushing, pulling, hinging, rowing, and, and that's really all you basically need is your body, your own body weight and a couple of bands. You can get a couple other things like a, a TRX is really a good uh, suspension trainer of some kind. But with, with very minimal apparatus, you can get a total body workout. The, the most challenging thing is finding some way to be able to pull. And that's where the bands, because you can do push-ups, you can do sit-ups, you can do, you know, lunges and squats. And you can get a couple of dumbbells too, but just at my office... For instance, I have two sets of dumbbells. I have a set of 25s and a set of 35s under my desk. I have two bands and I have a chair that I do Bulgarian split squats on. Sometimes I I hold weight. I can push the weights overhead. Like I can do everything with two sets of dumbbells and two bands. That's it. Mm. Awesome. Good tip. Good tip. So So we've we've covered sleep, hydration, resistance training. What's, uh, What's four? So four out of five is uh, find an active hobby you love, like something that like you just like can't wait to go do that moves your body. That's active. I got into doing some Brazilian jiu-jitsu this year and that was super fun. And it was like, I think there's that element of competition to it. There's that element of, of like, you know, using your physical body. Um, also this year, more than any other year, I've, I've developed a love of running. And I know a lot of people, quote unquote, hate running. I love, I love it when I hear people that say they hate some aspect of physical movement. And it's like, is that serving you? Like, and I get it. Like, running can be harder on your body. But over the last four years, I've used an app called Map My Run to that's helped me develop a love of running because it, it tracks it, it accumulates it. And this year, I'm like 12 miles away right now from completing the challenge. You versus the year, which is running. 
1,000 kilometers plus the year. So this year it's 1,020, which is 634 miles. I'm at 622 miles this year. And it's been easy. It's been fun. And when I run, it's like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes maybe. But it, it's one of the things that I do in the day that adds the most to like energy, mental health. Like I come back uh, better for my clients, better for my uh, my wife and my kids. Like it's one of the best things that I do. So, but finding an active hobby that you can learn to love. And so whether it's running or a rowing machine or something that you can gamify or like a martial art, martial arts are, I think, super. And I know that's can be tough with the COVID, but you know, there's, there's ways. Um, yeah. I mean, it could be, this could be biking. It could be an exercise bike. It could be playing, you know, basketball, you know, uh, with some friends, but, you know, playing pretty, pretty seriously. Like there's a lot of things this could be besides just running. Totally. And then getting it in your calendar, like a couple of times a week, at least two or three times a week, like getting out there and doing that thing that you love that is active, that moves your body. Yep. Cool. Cool. What's number five? Number five, actively love, approve and accept yourself. And this might seem like not a physical thing, but this is like a men, this is kind of bordering on mental, emotional and physical. But literally, this is like one of the most important things I think we can do for ourselves. And to do this actually in the mirror, where you go to a mirror, you look yourself in the eyes, the eyes are the window to the soul. And there's, there's a lot of biblical verses that, that back up what I'm saying that like out of the, the heart flows, the, the words of the mouth flow out of the heart, like the power to change is in the tongue, like the power of life and death is in the tongue, what we speak over ourselves. So being conscious and deliberate and about speaking love to ourselves, over ourselves, about ourselves. And when, when we actively love and approve and accept ourselves, like we, we begin to build a foundation of sufficiency. And, and that I think is kind of goes into more of the work that I do on holistic fulfillment, but like literally look yourself in the mirror every morning and say, and I use my name, I say, Alex, I love you. I approve of you and I accept you today as you are. And it's like having that peace and serenity and sufficiency with yourself from there. It's like, then we can, it's so much easier to forgive ourselves when we fall short of our expectations of perfection or forgive the people in our lives who don't meet our expectations or we, we create some judgment around when we're loving and accepting with ourselves, it's so much easier to, to pour out from a full cup. So many top achievers in life are very hard on themselves. And I think that can be, it can be destructive at times. And this is one way of mitigating that. Yeah. I think a, a lot of like being around a lot of achievers and successful people, I've learned a lot of them and say probably the majority have created that success out of a, a sense of insufficiency as, as a sense of like, I need to create this success in order to, to prove to myself or others that, that I'm worthy, that I'm of value. And it, it might even be subconscious, but when they get there and, and it's still not fulfilled, then that's where we come in and we, we support them. In, in creating connection with who they actually are and their inherent worth and value and enoughness, yeah. or what I call sufficiency. Yeah. Let's take this a little bit farther and talk more about mental or spiritual well-being. Yeah. I feel like that fifth point kind of led us right into that, that topic. Um, what do you think are some of the most important habits or practices for people in the area of mental or spiritual well-being? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the number one thing is is creating margin and space to be with yourself and and to love yourself, starting with that practice, but then taking it to a journal, getting some time in silence. You know, Hal's got the Miracle Morning and the Lifesavers. And if I only have time for a couple of things, what I want to, what I prioritize is spending time in silence and, and getting disconnection from that busyness of mind right? That busyness of mind that's thinking about all of the things. So there's some silence. And then uh, there's a book called The Artist's Way that talks about uh, a practice called morning pages that I think is as a form of journaling can be one of the most useful and fruitful things for our mental peace and sanity and clarity. And that's just letting the, the pen flow and fly uh, on whatever is on our mind and on our heart. If there's a lot of stuff in that busyness of mind, if you can get it out of your 
out of your head and onto paper. Sometimes for me, questions will arise about my life or my business or my marriage or something that I'm wanting to create. And the answer will be quickly behind it because I've cultivated that stillness and that connection with that inner knowing and that inner wisdom, that, you know, divine conscious cosmic connection we all have to ourselves and each other and and the world and God or source, whatever you want to call it. So silence, meditation, and then journaling, um, I think being the most important. And then secondarily only to noticing when we are in reactivity. Reactivity, I think, is at the root of all of the challenges and suffering we unconsciously create for ourselves in our lives. When we are in resistance to reality, when we are in judgment of another person, when we find ourselves in, because there's really only two emotional states, right? There's there's loving emotional states, and then there's suffering emotional states, which are rooted in fear. And they might feel powerful. They might feel like anger or frustration. They might feel very not powerful, overwhelm, anxiety, whatever. But when, when we catch ourselves in one of those lowered vibrational states, noticing that we are in reactivity, we are reacting to something in our environment or some thought that we have, some judgment about ourselves or another or the world or what's possible. And, and we are in, in, in noticing and pausing in that moment and breathing and returning to connection with ourselves, returning to loving ourselves, doing a, even a two minute like silence and then journaling, get it out. I think also you and I have the, the background of training with uh, the exchange method and Berghoff and shifting the direction of our attention to an appreciative question like, what would I love to experience now instead? You know, when we're experiencing an emotion that is not in, not useful or not in service of us. Uh, another great question in that moment to kind of just get clear and take responsibility for for the creation of that disempowered state is like, how am I creating this? Mm-hmm. And if we look at like, it's not someone else, but we reclaim responsibility for our experience of reality. And we we ask ourselves, how am I creating this? Anger, frustration, overwhelm, anxiety, stress, fear, doubt, whatever it is. How am I creating this? And we can trace that emotion back up to the thought, the, the triggered thought that inspired it. Because this is the other one of the other examples of like the work that we do with our clients is like the awareness that we are only ever actually feeling our thinking. We're not feeling what someone else said or did. We might project it. We might say that. But in, in actual reality, we're only ever feeling our thinking. And so if we're feeling something we don't enjoy that doesn't, we don't service, if we can ask ourselves, how am I creating this by how I'm thinking about this, by how I'm judging this person, myself, or the situation? And then we can get to the root of that. And then we can transform it by, well, what would I love to create instead? Yeah, uh, there's so much good stuff that you just shared right there, Alex. Man, I wish we could just unpack all that stuff for a lengthy amount of time here. I want to comment on reactivity, right? Noticing when we are in reactivity. That is that is such a great concept for anyone to take to heart is just to begin to notice, you know, when they're like this feeling starts welling up inside of you about something that just happened. And that's reactivity. That feeling welling up is reactivity. Our brain can then control that. Not everybody understands that. A lot of people feel like they just have to explode or blow up or get angry. And um, the the idea that we are we're feeling our thinking, yeah, right. We're feeling our thinking. There's an important point I want to add in here, Dan, that I think is really nuanced, and, but it's very important is that not making ourselves wrong for that feeling, because when we feel that reactivity, what's often if, if we know this, we're aware of this, okay, I'm feeling my thinking, now I'm feeling angry, I, well, that's wrong, that's bad, I'm bad, I'm wrong, shove it down and try and just replace it. But oftentimes, we actually have to feel it in order to heal from it. We have to face it, we have to feel it, and we have to allow that emotion. It's like by trying to turn away from that emotion, that's one of the big distinctions recently in the last year that has made such a difference for myself and my life and with my clients is that feeling is valid. But it doesn't mean I need to outwardly express it and and communicate to someone else, but I can allow it to be and feel it and process it so that it can kind of come through me. Like the most intense negative feeling that you experience will only last for about 90 seconds to two minutes if you allow it to run its course. But it's like when we 
either like let it carry us like a wave, right? Like in the science of enlightenment, mindfulness practice, right? It's like this, this wave of emotion comes up. If we, if we're not aware that it's coming up, we can let it catch us and tumble us. And now we're, we're acting in congruent. Like we don't act. We, that's why the pausing and the stillness and the being with that feeling, not making ourselves wrong about it, but just allowing ourselves to feel it and make that okay. And for forgive ourselves for even judging ourselves that that's even a wrong thing to feel. Allow the feeling to come and to go. And then from that place of, ah, okay, now I can choose what I'd like to feel. Because sometimes yeah. in that moment of intensity, when we try and shove it down, we actually, it's like what we resist persists. That feeling will fight to be experienced and expressed. And it will burn and bubble inside us because we're trying to like, it's like trying to hold beach balls underneath the water, right? And if you're doing that too much, now you've got 20 beach balls you're holding underwater. You need to let that stuff go. And, and it doesn't mean you need to talk to the other person or shout or, you know, do something with it. But you need to allow it to be internally ex- felt and expressed. To move yeah. It, it strikes me as being really valuable if there is someone else there who you can share a feeling with you know, and that you can learn how to share a feeling in a way that's not combative, but that's Mm, matter of fact, and you're, and you have someone there who can listen to that and take it in, in a way that's non-defensive and non-combative and be able to maybe speak that back to you. And that can help, you know, both parties to sort of get those feelings out versus having them bubble over. Yeah. If you can verbally express it without blame, if you can say, I'm feeling this, I know I'm creating this by my interpretation and judgment of reality or you or something else, and this is just what I'm feeling. And I'm a verbal processor, so like that helps me with me and my wife. Like I can do that, and I cannot say it's your fault. I take responsibility for my, my creation of my experience of reality, and then, yeah. Yeah. I also find, you know, you said something about we can get over most of these feelings in like 90 seconds to two minutes. And I think a lot of people will hear that and be like, oh, no way. Like it takes me 90 days to get over some things. Some people might yeah. say, but I, I do feel like writing things down does help with that. That if we can journal about our feelings and get it out of our bodies and out of our heads and onto paper or onto a file in your computer or however you do your journaling that that does really help with getting people to, to get past those, you know, difficult feelings that come out. Yeah. I, I remember a situation that happened a couple of months ago where uh, a friend really quote unquote offended me, or I created offense in response. And I just like went to my journal and wrote all this stuff out. And after I got it all out, then I could see it. And I was, I'd felt it. I'd allowed myself to feel it. Then on the other side, I was able to write like really, focus on the fact how much I love and appreciate this person in my life and why, you know, they even have the ability to me make meaning that is, you know, not useful to me. Yeah. Awesome. Alex, this has been uh, really, really, really good. Anything else you want to share on the concept of habits? Mm, Yeah. So I feel like habits are sort of an outside in way to change who we are and the results that we're experiencing, and they can be very, very effective. I'm very much, uh, I think more important is the inside out, the creating of who it is that we are and, and those habits being a natural expression of that authentic self. For instance, like with exercise, we're talking about exercise. I could get, force myself to go to the gym every single day and work out blah, blah, blah for 90 days or like, and and I'm, I'm fighting myself the whole time because I'm, unconsciously i i'm a person who hates working out or i could say you know what i'm going to take on as a as a statement of identity of who i am and who i'm choosing to be that i i love living in a fit healthy vibrant body and as such i love exercise and resistance training or whatever it is and then we can create habits i think much more enjoyably than kind of forcing ourselves into these rigid structures of behavior that that are not fun. And so I'm much more uh, of a proponent of setting life up to be easy and fun and enjoyable while we're being the most effective in creating the results that we want physically, 
mentally, emotionally, relationally, and also, you know, financially and in our business. So I think habits are, are important and powerful. And I just, I like to make them fun and easy to create. Yeah. Great, great tip. Great insight. Hey, as you look uh, into the future, Alex, what inspires you most? Oh, I think just the central purpose of my being, which is the liberation and the elevation of the human spirit. I think all of our, our challenges that we face uh, globally, economically, uh, governmentally come from people living in fear and, and not living from love and not living in connection to their true and authentic self. And so my mission in my life is, is to help people experience freedom and fulfillment, freedom from any constraint or constriction and enjoy and connection with who they are and live as an authentic expression of that. And so I'm just excited about uh, what we're creating to support people in doing that, my continued journey in doing that uh, with and for myself and the people that I get to do that work with. So amazing. How can people get in touch with you if they want? Yeah, um, I'm old school. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm not very active on, on a lot of the social media channels, but Facebook, just Alex Hayden uh, at Facebook, or they can just mail uh, email me Alex at Real Results Academy. That was the kind of the original name of, of what we started here. Okay. Alex at realresultsacademy.com. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Alex, this has been great. Loved hearing your Cutco story. Love reminiscing a little bit about Jesse Levine. And of course, uh, the excellent, excellent habits for both physical well-being and for mental and spiritual well-being. This has been really, really valuable. I know people have got a ton out of it. So thanks so much for making time for the podcast, Alex. My pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me on. All right. I told you, you were going to get a lot of value from that episode. And I trust that you now agree. What an amazing conversation with Alex Hayden from his Cutco days and learning that sales is a transfer of enthusiasm. And that's one of the great ways that Alex influences others today is he has great enthusiasm for the things that he does and for his beliefs and his own habits. And it comes from a conviction of having lived a lot of the things that he talks about. The people that, that Alex got to meet in Cutco, learning about passion and energy from Jesse Levine, getting to meet Hal Elrod and Matt Recor and guys that have had tremendous success in their lives since then. Alex shared the concept that we fall to the level of our training. When we experience difficult times, what happens is, right, we fall to the level of our training and, and what is internalized inside of us, what is a part of us is what ends up coming to the front. And that's such an important concept why ongoing personal growth is so key for uh, you know lasting success. Because as I referenced in the episode, every one of us is going to experience some sort of hard times. Alex shared his most important habits for physical well-being, adequate sleep, hydration, and starting our day with that having some resistance training uh, at least three times per week, uh, an active hobby that you love, and then loving, approving, accepting ourselves and verbalizing that. He also shared some of the keys to mental and spiritual well-being, starting with that last one of the physical, which really was a transition to the mental and spiritual but the importance of journaling, the importance of some type of silence in our day, learning to notice when we are in reactivity and that reactivity is typically a resistance to reality. Something is already happening. We can't change it. We allow ourselves to be upset by that. Or oftentimes reactivity is being in judgment of others. Uh, learning to shift our focus, asking ourselves a better question. For example, contributing value to someone else, for example. And just this concept out here that we are feeling our thinking, our own thinking. That's what we feel. And as we learn to train our thoughts, we can learn to manage our feelings and our behaviors. One of the last things Alex shared is that real success comes inside out, not necessarily outside in. 
Sometimes the outside is an easy thing to work on, getting our physical bodies right, etc. cetera. Uh, but that lasting success comes from inside out. If you are taking time to listen to podcasts like this, if you are reading on a regular basis, if you are inputting good ideas, good concepts, good learnings into yourself on a regular basis, those things are going to end up coming out and that process of ongoing personal development will yield great results and better fulfillment in your life. It is so important because our outer world is a reflection of our inner well-being and our, our inner selves. So much good information there. Please share this episode if you liked it. Please take a minute to rate this podcast on your podcast player. Leave a short review if you're so inspired. It really helps get the word out about what we are trying to do here in the Cutco Vector community and all of the amazing people uh, that sold Cutco and are doing cool things in the world like Alex and being able to get messages like Alex Hayden's message out to others. And it's much appreciated by me as the host if you support the podcast in that way. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed it. Happy New Year if you're listening to this in January of 2021. And uh, best wishes for freedom and fulfillment regardless of when you are listening to the podcast here. Thanks. If physical health is one of the habits you are looking to improve upon, you should try Organifi, the Cutco of superfood blends. Their green juice is a blend of 11 superfoods and is a great way to start your day. Everything from Organifi is all natural and organic, and you just mix it with water when you're ready to use it. You can check out the full line of their products at Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. You get 15% off everything that they carry by using the discount code CLSK. Try out something from Organifi today and enter CLSK when you check out to get that discount on anything you order. Again, go to Organifi.com. And thanks for supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.